Hello, friends. It's the last day of one of the most incredible years in recent history. So much has happened in 2020, and so many people have experienced so much. I kind of hesitate to to do a personal year in review just because we have so many friends who have had so much difficulty and have suffered so much. Um, people who have lost loved ones, people who have been through dire, dire circumstances and uh, who have just faced so much difficulty this year, people who have been separated from their loved ones who couldn't get back together. And so I don't share this in any way as uh, some kind of testimony of hardship. As I look back on our year 2020, in fact, our 2020 was one of the greatest years ever, just for me personally, for our family what God did through this time has been awesome in our family. Uh, so I share it as a testimony of God's goodness, not saying, oh, you know, we've, been, we've really suffered this year. We've been through this really difficult thing. Uh, for my family, that, that wasn't the case. We were so blessed. And so that's my, that's my hesitancy, I suppose, because sometimes I'm embarrassed about how blessed we are, how much God has blessed us through this year when so many other people have had a lot of difficulty, a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. And so I, I want to share cautiously, but I do want to be faithful to testify how God has worked in our lives for those uh, who, who have interest, for those of you guys who want to hear a little bit more about our story. Hello, friends. Today is the last day of 2020. And perhaps in an unoriginal but hopefully unique way, I thought I would look at the year in review from my perspective, from my family's perspective, because as it was for everybody, this year was just incredible for my family and I think the whole world. It was just quite the year. And as with any story, it's kind of hard just to jump right into the middle of course, God was at work in all of our lives before 2020 started and continues to be at work in our lives. But for us, there had been a lot of change in our community where we were living in China. A lot of expats had left China. A lot of uh, long-term community members were planning on leaving. The persecution from the government against the church and against Christian groups was uh, getting more severe. The welcomingness, maybe if that's a way to say it, of foreigners in China was decreasing the ease of getting a visa. Well, there was it wasn't easy. The difficulty of getting a visa was increasing, and there was just this sense of difficulty to be able to stay there and live there long term. And of course, my children were getting older, and that's always something that uh, expats think about as their children get older considering educational options and how this is all going to unfold. So in all of this, we were just looking to the Lord. The business that we had clearly needed to change or evolve. And so we were kind of looking for the next thing. What was next? And when people would ask, how can I pray for you? I would tell them that. I would say, you know what? Pray Colossians chapter one for me that I would be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding because I'm really looking for the next thing that Father is calling me to. And in the midst of that, in early 2020, 
my wife and I were out on a walk and she said, you know what, I think, I think we're going to leave this year. I think we're going to leave really soon, actually. And I said, no, you know, I don't think so. I was, had some responsibilities there that I wanted to, to see through and finish. And um, she said, well, I just have this sense from the Lord that we're going to be leaving here soon. And that kind of surprised me, and, and I didn't have that sense at all. But at the end of January, I received a call, and my dad was in the hospital, and my mom and sister were on the phone, and they felt like it was pretty serious and that uh, I should really consider coming back. So that same day, in really an amazing uh, trip, I, I was able to get a flight directly from Shaman to L.A., and then uh, I ran through the Los Angeles International Airport. And this is when COVID screening had just started for people coming internationally. And it was a mess. And um, But I ran, ran through the airport, uh, would ask people if I could cut in front of them in line. And some people were gracious and some people ignored me. Um, but I just ran all the way from the Tom Bradley International Terminal to um, the terminal that had the flight to Colorado Springs, and I was uh, not in marathon shape, and I got there with all my stuff and and barely made it onto the flight, but praise God, I made it to Colorado Springs in a record time, like 20 hours or something, and I saw my dad, and he was in bad, bad shape. He was on a ventilator and was knocked out on propofol, and um, he just looked really bad. It didn't look good. So a few weeks after, maybe 10 days after uh, I had been there, my wife came over and that was, she had her whole separate adventure trying to get over because by that time, COVID was, people were getting more serious about COVID and traveling was very difficult because we would buy a set of tickets and it would get canceled. Then we bought another set of tickets and it would get canceled and um, it just, <laughs> it was crazy trying to get her and the kids out and I, I was so relieved when I picked them up, they flew up to the Denver International Airport. And when I picked them up, that was one of the happiest moments of my life, just hugging my wife and children after being separated under kind of circumstances of not being sure when we would be able to get back together. So it was great to be together as a family, and it just felt like, you know what, no matter what happens now, this is this is good, this is right, we're together, and we're not going to be separated, and we'll figure out what to do as we go. So my dad, praise the Lord, he recovered. He had septic shock and his lungs had shut down, his kidneys had shut down and he was in bad shape, but he recovered and began to kind of return to normal. He went into a rehab hospital for a few weeks and my wife and kids were kind of doing a self-imposed quarantine uh, because really there were no protocols uh, at that time for COVID, but they just felt like they didn't want to be responsible for anything. We didn't want the spread of COVID in Colorado to be traced to us, even though they didn't have any symptoms and I don't think they had it at all. But anyway, they just stayed home and didn't have any contact with anyone. And that was February. So my dad came out of the rehab hospital probably in late February and just uh, slowly, slowly started getting better. So when we had come to the U.S., we came with the intention of going back to China. All of our tickets were round trip, and our return trip was on March 15th, and my dad was getting better, and so we, we had every intention of going back. And then the March 15th tickets got canceled. They were an Air Canada flight from 
uh, Denver to Vancouver, Vancouver to Beijing, Beijing to Xiamen, and that ticket got canceled. And at that point, we started thinking, well, gee, maybe, maybe we shouldn't go back. Uh, we went ahead and we rebooked flights for the end of March, like March 30th. And in the meantime, though, we were really thinking, starting to feel like maybe we're not supposed to go back. And through that process, at one point, my wife just said, you know what, can we just take a year and stay here? And I'd just like to rest for a year. And so for those of you listening who don't know my wife, my wife is an extremely giving person. And when she's in China, she's kind of a source for many other people who come to her for advice, who come to her for help. And she just serves them and as well as uh, homeschooling our children and taking care of me. So life in China for her is just very full and it's very demanding. And she just said, you know what, I'd just like to take a year and rest. A year or two is what she said. And I said, absolutely, no problem. When she said that, I just felt like, okay, we need, we need a break from China life and we need to start praying toward that end. And I know sometimes we have an attitude in the church of, hey, come on, just, you know, suck it up. God will give you grace. It's going to be okay. And there may be times when that's the right attitude. Sometimes we do need to suck it up and God will give grace and it'll be okay. But early on, before I got married, I remember talking to an old missionary and asking him, you know, I, what comes first, family or or ministry? Because I, I didn't know. I had seen people put ministry first at the expense of their family. And um, sometimes even those people were kind of applauded for doing that and the sacrifices they made. But he answered and he said, if you lose your family, you lose your ministry. And I thought that was really insightful. And that's the exhortation of scripture. It, the Bible's amazing. You know, just a few lines in the Bible about family are enough. And the Bible says that if you don't take care of your own house, you can't manage the church. And that someone who uh, doesn't take care of his own household is worse than an unbeliever. So we began making plans toward that end of, of staying in the U.S. and having a season of rest for my wife especially. So I began kind of praying that way and feeling like, okay, maybe we're not going to go back. And shortly after we made that decision, China then closed the borders. And we hadn't yet canceled our tickets to go back. We were just kind of waiting. We were feeling like, yeah, we're probably not going to go back, but just keeping the door open, waiting for any direction from the Lord. And then on March 28th, I think, somewhere around there, China said the border's closed. Foreigners are not allowed in. And at that point, my wife felt like it was confirmation that this was the Lord confirming that we had heard from him and we were headed the right direction. I was less enthusiastic about that. I was really disappointed and felt like maybe we we should have tried to go back sooner. And in retrospect, I feel like it was you know, God closing doors and God had prepared us for that and we were already making that decision and then this was kind of a confirmation. But at the time, I was still torn. I still felt like I had responsibilities back in Shaman and really wanted to be there and wanted to be uh, going through this difficult time with our community of faith, wanted to be with those people. But it just wasn't possible. It became impossible. So now we were at a point where even if we wanted to go back, we couldn't. And so from there, we began praying and thinking about, okay, what's next? What's next for us? <laughs> Where are we going to live? What are we going to do? And just began praying. And it was through that process that the word South Lake popped into my heart. 
and I have looked through all my journals, and I wish I could remember the circumstance and the moment under which the Lord spoke Southlake to my heart, but I, I don't remember. I can't consciously remember what was going on. I just remember grabbing my phone and Googling Southlake because I didn't know what that meant or where it was, and I just I just had this impression in my spirit, South Lake, and so I Googled it, and it was a community in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I felt like, okay, that kind of makes sense. I, I'm from Texas. I went to school nearby. I have uncles in this area, and it just kind of made sense for some reason in my spirit. There was just a piece about it. Um, you know, if South Lake had been in Illinois or Indiana or something like that, it may have been a little bit harder to come to terms with, but it was it was right in this part of the world that I, I'm really familiar with and really love. And so I was like, okay, that's interesting. And I began to process this with my pastor, and he encouraged me. He said, well, what do your kids think? And I said, well, I haven't, I haven't told the kids anything. I'm trying to make a decision, and then I'll tell the kids. And he said, no, don't do that. He really encouraged me to bring my kids in on the process. He said, trust God to speak to your children and to speak through your children, and God will lead you as a family. And then there will be buy-in when you go to make this decision, and everyone will feel ownership, and the Lord will have led everybody's hearts so that you'll have unity as you go down there. And that was such good advice. I just, um, I so appreciate his speaking into that situation. So we had a little family powwow, and we said, look, we can't go back to China right now. Uh, We can wait and try and go back in a few months, but we don't know when the border's gonna open. We can make plans to start moving back to Colorado, or we can move to the Dallas area. And um, the kids were like, hey, let's, let's go to Dallas which really, really surprised my wife and I. We weren't expecting that. They had no reason to want to go to Dallas, but especially the two older kids, both of them were like, hey, let's go to Dallas, let's do that. And so there was this sense of excitement and God leading us and kind of the cloud. One of my theme verses in my life has been from Numbers. In Numbers chapter nine, uh, beginning in verse 17, it says, and whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that, the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out, and at the command of the Lord they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning. And when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. And so that, I love that verse. That's been a super important verse to me ever since college. The Lord just planted that verse in my heart and I knew that's how I want to live. And I remember that was such a theme verse for me and I had gone to Nicaragua uh, between my junior and senior year of college. And at that time, that's when God spoke to me for the first time, God impressed my heart to go to China. And then about nine months later, I went back to Nicaragua to help 
uh, Hurricane Mitch had destroyed Nicaragua. And I went back to help do some relief work as I was applying to go to China. And I went to this church and this pastor was preaching from this passage, where's your cloud? And it was just such an amazing confirmation. But anyway, there was this sense that the cloud was moving and that God was leading us and we were going on the next chapter of our adventure. The, this one chapter of our lives had closed and it was time to start the next chapter in our adventure with God. And so we had an apartment in China that was leased until the end of April and we paid our rent quarterly. And so we began to make plans to, to shut our apartment down from the U.S., you know, through, we had a helper there and we had some dear friends who helped us and we gave stuff away and we had people come and help us pack up and just some incredible friends helped us pack up our stuff and give our stuff away so that we kind of condensed our stuff down to a number of boxes that were then loaded up by a shipping company and they were sent to Shanghai where they were loaded on a boat where they were shipped across the ocean to Los Angeles and our stuff was put into a warehouse in Los Angeles because when it showed up in LA, we didn't have a place here in the US yet to receive it all. So they were holding on to our stuff there in LA. And there's just a sense of, okay, like this chapter has ended in our lives. And that was that was a difficult thing, I think, because it happened so unexpectedly and just so suddenly. We, we just found ourselves like, wow, okay, that part of our lives is over. And that community had become very dear to us. We lived there for seven or eight years, and my kids were in a youth group there. But it was strange how it wasn't, I mean, obviously, we weren't the only ones affected. <laughs> so our friends uh, in China and all over the world were facing their own challenges and their own struggles. And that little community that we were a part of there in Shaman really underwent a huge transformation because so many people had to leave or got locked out and couldn't get back. And the youth group that my kids were a part of, very few of those kids were even left in Shaman uh, as we got stuck here in the U.S. Likewise, for many of the other families, they had also, you know, had circumstances arise that they were no longer in Shaman. So it was, it was just really an odd time of all of our close friends kind of being scattered to the wind, some still in China for sure, but uh, many others undergoing kind of the same process of either their timeline to move had changed or, you know, they had to move unexpectedly just like we did. And it was, it was quite something to be in touch with so many families that were undergoing pretty dramatic changes in their lives, just like we were and starting over a new season, looking for new careers, new places to live, new education options for their children, all these things, building a new community, finding new churches to be part of, and, and all these things. So it was during this kind of transition time that I began to get a new found interest in slum neighborhoods and urban slums, which is something that had never interested me before. And so that's when, I don't know if you saw the, some of my previous videos, but I started to do a project for a slum outside of Manila called Tondo, where I started raising money because I had people that we knew there. And when we asked them how we could help them, initially I was thinking we'll help with medical supplies and masks and these kind of things. And they said, well, we don't have food. What we really need is food because the government's not letting us go out to work. So people don't have money 
and households really need just food and basic supplies. And so, you know, we raised some money to be uh, able to try and help with that and serve them and a local church partner with us. And we were able to buy food for their community and, and do these distributions. And it was such a blessing. But for me, this was a brand new thing stirring in my heart, just this interest in urban slums and thinking about how the kingdom of God can come to some of the most hopeless places in the world and how the church can carry the hope of the gospel and to see the sufficiency of the gospel in those places and thinking about how I can be part of what God is doing in those communities. And so this dream kind of begins to stir in my heart. And then there's another part of that, which is all the ethnicities in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I began, so the church that we were a part of in Shaman had, you know, people from over 40 countries, every different skin color, all different kinds of languages. And I am also very excited about the potential of finding that kind of group in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where there's, you know, all different nationalities, all different kinds of immigrants, refugees, or all different kinds of people here. And so I'm getting stirred up in my spirit about possibilities for the future. And we're still, you know, fleshing a lot of that out even now. But this vision is really stirring in my heart. And we start to watch the television series, The Chosen, which is, you know, on an app and you can get it. And it's a television show about the life of Jesus that was recommended to me by a friend. And so we're social distanced. We're quarantined in Colorado Springs. We're just spending time uh, with my parents. Really, other than them, we're not seeing anyone. I was finishing my master's degree at Fuller Seminary, and we're watching the chosen TV show at night. And it just stirred me up so much to want to follow Jesus, to want to obey. And there are these scenes in The Chosen where Jesus is interacting with Nicodemus. And there's this tension in the way that Nicodemus is portrayed in this television show about whether or not he was going to follow Christ. And and watching Nicodemus's tension, I just was inspired that, hey, I'm gonna I'm not gonna play it safe. I'm gonna follow Jesus no matter what it means. And better to to risk it all and act in faith and be wrong than to play it safe and to miss out on what God wants to do in my life. And so for me, as strange it is as it is to say, for me, that big risk was was moving to Dallas. For me, it would have been easier to move to China. It would have been actually easier for me to move to Thailand or Vietnam than to try and move to South Lake, Texas. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, sounds kind of backwards, because on the surface, South Lake seems like a pretty comfortable, safe place to move. But it was really out of my comfort zone. I would have felt much more comfortable uh, going to Asia or Southeast Asia or something like that. But this is how I'm being stirred, and this is what we feel like the Lord is saying. And so we're just trying to step out in faith. So as we began to share this with, with my family and with people around us, you know, a lot of people are just really shocked. They can't believe that you're, you're going to do what? You're going you're gonna to move to Dallas? Well, what are you going to do there? And I didn't know. I don't know what I'm going to do there. So just began to seek the Lord and to ask God to open the right doors for us, look for opportunities in vocational ministry, but also had this sense of calling to the real estate industry and feeling like maybe that's where the Lord wants me to go, where I can serve people, I can be a blessing to people. 
and I can have opportunities still to be involved in ministry and to do this thing with an international church and to do this thing that God is stirring in the slums, uh, this dream that God is stirring in my heart about urban slums in the developing world. And so that's, we began to take these steps and God just opened doors for us. In fact, the only open door um, that God laid out before us was in that direction. And so we just began to walk toward it in the summertime of 2020, my wife and I came down and began looking at homes, and that was its own process of just a total faith experience and God opening doors for us and God providing and uh, allowing for us to find the right home and to be able to come here. And then at the end of August, we, you know, we were able to get a place and we moved down here and we brought the family and we just kind of settled into this life down here, which is also pretty isolated. You know, we haven't yet been able to get plugged into a church because for so long the churches weren't meeting and the youth groups weren't meeting for our kids. But slowly we uh, are making progress. And it certainly has been a much longer process than I had initially envisioned or hoped for or expected, especially as far as building a community and wanting to have the same kind of community we had in China uh, for my children here. And I just recognize now that that's just going to be a much longer process than I had initially hoped. But God is faithful, and it's been such an amazing time for our family, such a good time for my wife and our four children of just feeling this sense of unity that we're following the Lord together and that, you know, I feel so supported as I began this new venture in real estate. My kids are are rooting for me and and they're behind me and, uh, you know, wanting to see progress and success in this area and just being alert and attentive to what God is doing around us and how we can participate. And so the year kind of ended pretty quietly for us, just uh, buckling down and being about the things we need to be about, trying to work hard. And um, through this, I, I began to develop an interest in the uh, Benedictine monk uh, schedule and the way that they order their day and their motto is work and pray and that feels like what the next season is supposed to be about for me is, is work and pray and I'm sure I'll share more of that in coming podcasts but just experiencing the supremacy of Christ in every little detail of life is what I feel like God is inviting me into in this next season of life even as we continue to desire to be about seeing the gospel spread all over the earth and see his glory fill the earth and his righteousness reign on the earth. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, I just wanted to share a little bit about that, perhaps for my own sake, perhaps for those of you who are familiar with our journey but didn't know maybe all of the details and wanted to hear a little bit more. And maybe someday my children will listen and remember this very unique season of life where we were all we were all just really tight we were it was just us and we were all together and god was gracious to us and god took care of us yeah it's been an amazing journey and i trust you know i describe coming here to to many people as like walking into a fog of god's goodness i know it's going to be good because god is good but i have no idea what's in the fog and so as we continue to take steps, some things are beginning to take shape and take form. It's like, okay, awesome. This is going to be great. And some things are still super foggy. Like, Well, how's that going to work out? And we're just trusting that uh, 
God is so good. And it's just the greatest vocation we can have is just to be his child and to get to know him and to love him. And on that note, let me close with a quote from Thomas Merton. He writes, There are so many Christians who do not appreciate the magnificent dignity of their vocation to sanctity, to the knowledge, love, and service of God. There are so many Christians who do not realize what possibilities God has placed in the life of Christian perfection, what possibilities for joy in the knowledge and love of Him. And I would put myself in that category, that uh, I was... I'm I'm still kind of drawn to the spectacular, still kind of drawn to wanting to accomplish something to make myself worthy of special praise like uh, Henry Nouwen wrote about. But uh, to discover that magnificent dignity of the vocation to sanctity. So praise God. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, I really appreciate everyone who's listened to the podcast uh, this year. And hopefully the podcast will improve. You know, I, I hope to discover things in the depths of God that I can share with others, even as I've received so much from other people who have uh, shared their knowledge of God. So thanks for listening. If uh, you ever think of someone you think would enjoy listening, please share it with them. And I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you guys. God bless you. Happy New Year. And looking forward to an awesome 2021. We hear your tenderness In every star that glows In every cell that grows It's clear your excellence God, you're beautiful You're so beautiful Greater than galaxies or any massive piece, you're one begotten son of all your awesome deeds. You saved your enemies and won our salvation. God, you're beautiful. You're so beautiful. Now draw near to me in Christ Emmanuel I was your enemy Condemned but now set free your life Freed me from hell God, you're beautiful You're so beautiful Holy, holy, elders can't
You are creation, you are. 